Foundation, are you ready for God's word? I'm going to say it again. Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. Well, second service, you sound ready. I am so excited to be uh, sharing this with you. The title of our of our sermon series, it's a two-part series, is what is, uh, or love is. Let's go back to what love is. Love is. Now, you saw a sneak peek of what I'm going to be preaching today because several, several years ago, I would say, oh man, it's been at least 10 years. I introduced this topic to really get people talking and, and, and I, I called the sermon series at the time, Victorious Secrets. Now people, um, get offended for all sorts of things. I remember we did a mailer and we sent it out and a lady was so upset. She said, what is this lascivious nonsense you're doing? And I said, what is lascivious? I know what lascivious is, but I was just, I I wanted to kind of lighten the mood with her. And she says, well, never mind that. Look on the back of your flyer. And she points out Pastor Paul Mason, who's a dear friend of ours, and they are amazing little couple. They, they have this awesome church in Seguin, and uh, he was going to be he was going to be pastoring or uh, uh, guest speaker that month. And so I put him on the flyer, and boy, she zeroed in on him. Went right past my picture. She thought I had the face of an angel, I guess. And boy, she just she just went off on Paul. I always thought that was funny. So please don't don't misunderstand. This is meant to be provocative, but it's meant to also remind you that there are keys to victory in a marriage. Amen? There are keys. And they're found in God's word, not at the mall. Not at the mall or in any lingerie shop. They're found in God's word. And so today I just want to emphasize the keys to a victorious marriage from God's word, okay? We're going we're gonna to talk about oneness. And I, and I really... I feel like today is a big Sunday. Come on. Today is what? Super Bowl Sunday. Any football fans in the room? Raise your hand if you, if you like football. Okay. Uh, who's playing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, if you, if you're a Bengals fan or you, you're cheering for these guys, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. How about the Rams? Rams. How about you just want to see a good game? Enjoy some family time. Amen. Amen. Well, can I tell you, the most important team on earth is the family. And there's a Super Bowl in a sense. There is a battle taking place for your family. And so today I want to give you keys to have an amazing family. Not because I know it all, but because I have had my share of hard knocks. I've had to learn it the hard way, but the key is that if you work at it, we talked about this last week, you can bring sexy back into your marriage. So today I want to talk to you about bringing sexy back. I want to talk to you about the ultimate goal for our marriages. And let me start off with a question. What is the goal for your marriage? What is the goal for your marriage? You might say, pastor, I'm not married. Then let me ask you this. Are you Do you have hopes to be married? If you have hopes to be married, what would the goal of your marriage be? What is the goal of you getting married? Well, you might say that the Bible's goal for our marriage is to experience true oneness. Oneness in marriage can only be accomplished under the blessing of Jesus Christ. And so we talked about last week that a husband and wife become one as they approach God. And as they become, become, uh, one in Christ, they experience this intimacy, this true intimacy that God has for us. Now think about it because many times when we see the word intimacy, we think immediately sexual intimacy. Now that's true. Sex has a big part in it, and it's something that couples reserve solely for their marriage. And it's very, very powerful. We'll talk about that in a second. But before I go any further, I want to I tell you a little bit more about this thing called oneness. See, Jesus, while he was on earth, said, Father, I pray that you keep them 
that you hold them, that you bless them, and that they would experience that oneness even as we experience oneness. So God was, Jesus was very clear about the oneness he had with the Father, about the oneness that the, that the, uh, the Trinity had in that the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and the Father are one. And I truly believe that the family, especially the husband and the wife, are meant to come together in holy oneness and reflect the awesome power of the living God. The awesome power of the living God so that we might be a testimony of his goodness. The family's been placed here on earth. Husband and wives are placed here on earth to undo the curse and to experience the blessing of Jesus Christ so that others may see the hope and desire what only Christ can give. What only Christ can give. I want you to think about this with me for a second. And it happens through intimacy. Now, I want to take you back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Bible says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a what? A helper fit for him. I'll make him a helpmate. So I want you to think about this. God is saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. Five times he says it's good. How many of you would pick up that pattern? He creates something, he says it's good. He creates something, he says it's good. How many of you would pick up this pattern? He speaks, it's created. He speaks, it's created. He speaks, it's created. Come on. When God speaks, it gets done. I want you to get that deep down in your heart because some of us think that maybe his promises won't come true. And yet the promise, the, the pattern is 100%. God speaks and it happens. Amen? So I want to, I want to encourage you here today, but I want you to notice the break in the pattern or the difference in the pattern. Speaks, creation, good. Speaks, creation, good. Five times that happens. And then on the sixth time, he doesn't speak. He gets his hands dirty. He forms out of the clay of the ground, Adam, man, mankind. Now notice, he's not just speaking. He's getting intimate as a creator, as an artist. You might say that we have God's fingerprints all over us. Maybe this is why the Bible says, let us create man and woman in our image. Who is our? The oneness of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that they may also experience oneness. And this is why when he gets to the creation of man, he's been saying, it's good, it's good, it's good. And he's been speaking, but he gets intimately involved like an artist gets intimately involved. And you might say he pours himself into his artwork. He takes Adam, he breathes himself into him. And then he says, it's not good. It's not good because it's not complete yet. He needs that completion. He needs that special someone To experience oneness with. Community. Community. Family. Relationship. And so he says, I will make him a helpmate. Now we know the story. He causes Adam to fall asleep. And he takes from Adam's foot. Right? He takes from Adam's foot a bone. And he fashions Eve. From the foot, we say, so that she might be under him. (laughs) Right? No, 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 no. Some of you are going, oh, you're going to be in bad trouble, buddy. How about from his head? So that he might always be subservient to her. Oh, I get it. From his hand. So that he can snap and say, get it done. I need some coffee. I need some ice. I need some... I'm being facetious, but I want some of us to understand That it wasn't any of these things. So if you're. You've got it wrong. The Bible says that he took Eve. His special helpmate from his side. That they may. The two may become one. As he brings her close. Holds her close. And she holds him from his heart from his heart this is important because even in God's creation he tells us that he expects this intimacy for us he has this beautiful plan this is why Jesus said 
Have you not read, and this is in Matthew 19, 4, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become what? One flesh. Now, let me ask you this. The one flesh, does that mean physically only? Come on, let the, the one flesh, does that mean physically only? What does he have in mind here? He has in mind, yes, physical union, but there's an emotional union. There's a spiritual union. There's a union of the complete beings where God is saying, I want to commingle you. I want to make you whole. I want you to experience what I have in heaven here on earth. This is why it's so powerful, the Lord's Prayer, when he says, Lord, let your will be done. Come on. Anybody know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. That will is being done through the family of Jesus Christ. And that is the people that come together under holy union of matrimony. And this is what I want you to know. When Jesus talks this way, he's giving promises. He's giving blessings. And we need to understand that marriage was not our idea. This holy, beautiful thing was God's idea to bless you, to bless this earth, that he might make his name famous in the earth and say, there's a better way. And so I need us to understand this, guys. I need us to understand that marriage is not our idea. It's so funny how people are always pontificating and say, well, I think and I this and I that. Who cares? Who cares? Well, I think we should redefine it. I think it should be this. And I think if two people love it, What did God say? He's the creator of marriage. Not me. Not you. It's very clear. He made a male and female. That he might make them one flesh. Watch what Jesus says. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. God is for your marriage. Amen. He loves your marriage. He wants to bless your marriage. And if you are single... And you want to be married? God wants you married too. Therefore, you can ask and you can ask big and say, Lord, give me a good spouse. Give me a beautiful spouse. I I was specific. I want her this tall. I want her. I was specific with the Lord. How many of you know the Lord hears a prayer? Amen. Amen. Some of you are going, can you do that? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Now I want to share with you the importance of sexual union. But not just sexual union of marriage. Now regarding the question of the letter you asked me, of whether or not it is right for somebody to be married, or whether you should be single and preach the gospel. And Paul says, it would be good that everyone could be single and just preach the gospel so we can get home. But there's a lot of sin in the world and some of you don't have that calling on your life. Therefore, get married. And this is what he says. He says, now regarding this question, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife. Notice his own wife, not somebody else's. His own. Each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Now, some of you are going, oh my gosh, that's where that verse is. Write it down. (laughs) Write it down. Some of the guys are going, I've been looking for that one. (laughs) Write it down. (laughs) The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Husbands are going, amen. The wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband. Husbands, amen, yeah. (laughs) Protect that body like Christ protects the church. You don't dishonor it, shame it, degrade it. You protect it. Now watch this. And husbands give authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other 
of sexual relations. Amen. Unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Not because you're upset with each other. Not because I'm going to teach you a lesson, but because you want to get closer to God. What is the goal here? Intimacy. In everything Paul has just said, intimacy, that you would keep from sin so that you might be closer to God and closer to each other, that you might come together, become one flesh. If you do abstain from having sex for a season, then do it for what? For prayer, that you might have what? Closer intimacy with God, and closer intimacy with God gives you closer intimacy for one another. Do you see the point here? Oneness. Oneness is always God's goal here. Now watch this. After You should come together again so that Satan would not be able to tempt you because of lack of self-control. And so he's saying over and over and over, marriage is a good thing. In Proverbs, he puts it this way. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. In fact, in the same Proverbs, he says that finding a wife, a good wife, is more precious than rubies or pearls. Diamonds or emeralds, just more precious than precious stones. It's an amazing, amazing thing. This is why we keep going back to Genesis. It is not good for man to be alone. Why? Because Satan is out there. There's sexual immorality. There's all kinds of craziness. Get married. Come on, let me say it again. Get married. But pastor, I'm trying to find the best, then be the best. Uh Uh-oh. Sometimes guys are like, I want this amazing wife, but you're living down here. You're living down here. Guess who she's looking for? She's looking right over your head, buddy. She ain't even considering you. Why? Because she's looking for Mr. Amazing too. So you got to live up. What does it mean to live up? It means you live up to what God has called you to. Amen. And this is important because the goal is intimacy. That we might experience that special, special thing that God created us to experience. See, he created them alike, but they were different. This is important because Eve is not just like Adam. And Adam's not like Eve, even though the world is trying to blur that. And the world is constantly trying to tell us that, guess what? We're more alike than we thought. We're more alike than we thought. We're more alike than we thought. Hey, we're more different than we thought, too. Why is this important? Because if you don't understand the differences, then he can run game on you. What do you mean run game on you? If you don't understand what the defense is positioning, then you might run right into that defense and have the ball intercepted. Talking to my guys here and my ladies that like football. What I'm trying to tell you is this. If the enemy can tell you you're the same, and you think you're the same, then you won't understand why so much frustration is built up in the marriages by your differences. See, he exploits those differences to create frustration that he might create separation. See that? He exploits those differences that he might create frustration in order to create separation and ultimately devastation. Devastation for who? For your children, for your family, for your legacy. For your legacy. So yes, he made us different. These differences should not divide us, but they should what? Unite us. Unite us because Melissa is strong where I am weak and I am strong where she is weak. And she has my blind spots and I have her blind spots. And there are certain things that God has created me uniquely to do. One of which is to stay focused on the cross. Guys, we're simple in so many ways. And let us be simple for the cause of Christ. Amen? Let us be simple for the cause of Christ. I'm not very complicated. I'm pretty easy. But let me be simple for the cause of Christ. Keep my family focused. That he might unite us. God made us different that he might make us one. Oneness. Intimacy. God made us different not to compete, but to complete. See, this is a, this is something very, very important because early on, how many of us in this competitive culture we call America, we end up competing with our spouses? Oh, we compete about everything. You can tell. Pastor Melissa goes, the guys had 90 something in discipleship. The girls had a hundred and something in discipleship. And I'm like, 
No. <laughs> Case closed. God made us different that we might complete, not compete. But it's easy to compete, right? Because we get so caught up in this competition-driven world. But we're supposed to compete against not each other, but against the enemy. The enemy's coming. And when the day of evil comes, let us have faith to stand, the Bible says. But I want to make you aware of something very, very important. It's found in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 16. And this will give you some insight of what you're dealing with. I always use the stage and I divide it in half. This side is the world's way. This side is God's way near the cross. We're supposed to be marching towards the cross. That's heavenward, not in a worldly direction that leads to destruction. Sorry, guys, if y'all sat over here. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but that's how I use the, the platform a lot. Now stay with me on this because you've got the curse that God pronounces over the woman here, but it pertains not just to the woman. Read it with me very closely. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Isn't that true? Your painful labor will give birth to children. Over the ages, women have died in childbirth. Um, Time after time after time, their lives have been cut prematurely because of a curse. A curse that happened in the garden. Now stay with me. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Wow. Now what does that mean? See, there's a Greek word there. I looked it up in my program, and it means... It means, uh, the, 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 excuse me, the Hebrew word there is chuka, desire, chuka. Now chuka means to desire, to want, to long, to covet. To covet. It has a robust meaning. Now this is not my teaching, this is God's word. So it, it has almost a double meaning. Means that women will want to be loved and have affection from their husband and want that closeness and to be cherished and to be... How many of us want that? Doesn't mean men don't, but this is something that in the world can understand. I want to be appreciated, loved, and cared for and have that affection of my husband. Husbands will be like, I want to be in charge. Isn't that true? You go, but that's the only meaning? No, there's another meaning. Go with me in the, in the NLT. In the NLT, the Bible says this, and you will desire to control your husband. Uh-oh. And what? And he will rule over you. You will desire to control him, and he will say, no, 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 chiquita. No, no, you, that ain't going to happen in this house. And y'all are going to butt heads. But that's the world's way. What about in God's house? Not under the curse, under the blessing of Jesus Christ's blood. How is it supposed to be? It's supposed to be that I am like Christ to my wife. That the world, Jesus said this to his disciples, they view leadership or, or being the head as controlling. They want to lord over people. Let it not be among you, not my disciples, Jesus said. If you want to be first, you must be last. Even as I wash your feet, wash one another's feet and love your wife as I have loved the church. Love her sacrificially. Ladies, you should honor him, revere him. And care for him. Even the, the Bible says, as, as Sarah called Abraham Lord. Uh oh. Let me get off that. Some of y'all look down real quick. No, no, what I'm saying is there should be a holy respect there and care. And there should be an amazing love of devotion coming the other way. Forget about this curse. You're under a blessing. You're under a blessing. But if you're not careful, the enemy will have you operating over here instead of over there. Amen? And so here I want you to know these differences can bring out color and contrast and beauty. Even as vibrant colors do in the hands of an artist. But you've got to be willing to let God use you.
And so I want to talk about a couple of differences. We're going to talk about three buckets, physical, emotional, and romantic. Physical, emotional, and romantic. Now, why am I bringing up these differences? Because these differences are typically exploited in our worst moments when we're stressed. When we're operating at the edge of our margin. What do you mean the edge of your margin? When you've used up all your time and you feel cramped and that's when the enemy comes in and starts poking you. Starts poking you. It's then, it's then when you need to call upon the teaching and say, no, we're different not to compete, not to frustrate so that he might what? Separate and ultimately dominate. But instead that we might come together in oneness. Oneness is the goal. And so let's just talk about some of these physical differences. And I know the world is constantly saying, oh, we're not that different. We're not that different. Now, I get it. There could be some exceptions to these rules. But overall, come on, how many of you have noticed that there's a difference between men and women? I personally am glad. I like the fact that my wife has a few curves and not all these elbows and shoulders and knees. Eh. Um, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I don't keep going. Several studies have proven that there are expressed differences between males and females programmed within our DNA from the moment of conception. Let's talk about some of these differences. Men, men that are in shape have 40% more muscle than the average woman. She only has 25% of her weight constituted by muscle. What does this mean? This means that you need more blood men to fuel that muscle. So 1.5 gallons pumped through your veins while, while four-fifths of a gallon of blood pumped through her veins. You might say, what does this matter? Stay with me on this. An average man is taller, heavier than the average woman. Men have more body hair than women do, especially on the chest and extremities. What else? Men are more sensitive to what? Oh, women are more sensitive to sound than men. Isn't this true? And do you realize that this becomes greater as we get older? As we get older, women become more acute to some sounds. Men become less and less and less. And so this is why how many arguments start when you're like, what did you say? <laughs> oh my gosh, why do I have to keep repeating myself? Are we the only ones? And it typically happens when we're most frustrated, right? We're frustrated. Never mind. Let's keep going. Men have larger hearts and lungs. And they have level, high levels of testosterone, testosterone, excuse me, which cause them to produce greater amounts of red blood cells. Women generally have greater body fat percentage than men. Men's skin has more collagen and sebum which makes it thicker and oilier. There's a difference in the intake and delivery of oxygen as it translates to the aspects of, of performance. Now watch this. If a man is jogging at 50%, that woman to keep up with him would have to go at 70%. Typically, this is typical, okay? And you say, well, what is typical? Come on, hang in there with me. Men have better distance in vision and depth perception and usually better vision in lighted environments while a woman has better night vision. Isn't this cool? The way God created us? You say, but what does this have to do with anything? Come on, how many arguments have started in the history of marriage because something goes like this, I'm cold. Or how about this? You come in, guys, and y'all are frustrated, and, you're, and you just want to relax, and then she starts asking you those questions, or she starts saying, we need to talk, and immediately you're like, why is it so hot in here? Am I right? And immediately you're like, who messed with the thermostat? And you want to, and you've, you've actually gone out and bought the little, the little case to go over the thermostat, but you didn't know if you could pull it off. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so, how about this one? You're not expecting an argument, but you go to bed and you come in a little after she is and she's snuggled in there. And she's like, oh, I'm so glad. Come to bed, come to bed. And you go in there and you get into bed. And then all of a sudden she puts those ice cold feet on you. And you're like, duh! 
You see what I'm saying? Little things that the enemy will exploit. And you say, well, nine times out of ten, I can handle it. But what about when he has you at the end of your margin? What about if he's playing a game on you and he's setting you up to exploit these differences because you haven't spent time really thinking about him? Come on, stay here with me. How about the emotional? The emotional, do you realize that our brains make up a lot of our emotion and our brains are different in so many ways that we use them in so many ways differently. Let me put it that way. Your average guy, most guys spend most of their time on the left side of their brain, especially when they're brought a problem. Now, how many times your guys, you're frustrated, you're, 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 you're at the end of your margin, the end of your week, there's too much month for the budget, you know what I mean? And, and there's all kinds of things happening. You come in, your wife starts peppering you with questions. She wants to talk. She wants to talk. She wants to, and there's something on her mind. She's thinking on the emotional side. You're thinking problem. Okay, problem solving. What do I need to do to solve this problem? Where are you going to go? You're going to go to the left side and start thinking logically. She doesn't want to solve the problem until you understand her heart. Come on, how many times have we fought because of this. And I'm just like, who cares? Tell me what the problem is. You ever heard that? Then you have a more disciplined guy than me. Because I tend to say, I don't know what you're trying to tell me. I need to know, like, how can I help you? And I'll never forget when she said, I need you to listen to me. Oh. We, we reason different. This is not to mean that a woman cannot be logical, but she'll start off on the emotional side and her feeling side because that's the way God gave her. She, he made her that way to guard your six. Because guys are looking forward thinking, logically, this is what I see. Your wife is saying, but this is what I feel. Did you hear me? This is what I see. My wife is saying, yeah, but I feel something coming. I feel this is not exactly what you see. There's a business deal and you start getting frustrated because she's giving you her sixth sense. She's telling you, this is what I feel. This is what I've been picking up. This is what I've been receiving. This is what I can't put it in ABC. I can't bring a spreadsheet for you, but there's something not right about this dude. And you get frustrated because you're like, give me the spreadsheet. And she's like, you're going to have to trust me. Am I the only one goes through this? Am I giving someone a blessing here today? Because I've had to learn that we have a hard, fast rule. If my wife don't like you, we ain't doing business. Why? Because people used to do this to me all the time when we first started off in the church. Like, oh, Pastor Chris, you're the nice one. Like, what does that mean? That means you're the one with no discernment. <laughs> or small discernment. God gave me other gifts, right? Isn't this the way God works? I've asked him one time. I said, Lord, why did you, why'd you put me with a wife with all this discernment? And I have, he goes, because I give you other gifts. Why do you need the same thing she has? Trust her. Oh, is someone hearing me here today? How about also on the emotional side, women are more detail oriented on average, not always, but typically they're more detail oriented. Men are less. This translates in the way they share men report women share men report. Women will tell you how they feel and they tell you what they thought and they share all these things. Guys are the facts. Just the facts, buddy. Just the facts. Who won? Right? When did they win? How did they win? That was it. The women will tell you how they felt as they were winning or as they were losing or as this. And they're sharing all these. It's a good example on how if you, if you go to church without your spouse, the the. What comes back, the feedback that comes back is very different. If a man goes to church, comes back, the wife asks him, honey, how was it? What is he going to say? Come on. He's going to be like, good, okay, nah. And so sometimes you don't even get a word. You'll get a grunt, eh. right? 
And you ask, my wife comes back and I say, hey baby, how was it? What is she going to tell me? Oh, I drove in, the flags weren't up. I drove in, the flags were up. Oh, they were blowing so beautifully. I came in, so-and-so greeted me. I felt amazing. And then someone asked me if they could help me in. This and that took place. So-and-so looked a little bit upset. I think we're going to have to call and check with them. I get in trouble because people walk by and said, I had an ugly face on and you should have known and you should have called me. I said, man, dude, I'm a guy. I have you better come straight out with it or you're going to be suffering. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want that business, you're going to have to go by my wife with the long face. Because <laughs> me, I'm just going to be like, oh, what's up? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, like, that's it, you know? Because there's a difference, amen? How about this? Women are like the World Wide Web and men are like a hard drive or file folder system. This is what a, my, uh, my wife's brain looks like. I mean, it's complicated. I already shared with you, not even God knows how to explain the brain of a woman. It's amazing. Guys, we're simple. Now, why is this important? Because so many arguments have started right here in this place because we don't understand this simple, simple difference in the way God created us. I always tell my wife, I'm not that complicated. I'm simple. She's like, well, I thought you said this because you meant this and because you were really trying to get at this. I said, no, I said it because I, <laughs> I wasn't hungry. <laughs> it's that simple. And you're trying to think five steps ahead, creating an argument, and it's just like, can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I'm not hungry. Or I'm okay. Why? Because women are used to having encrypted messages and decoding those messages. Guys, ladies, we don't have any encryption. You, you, I mean, we're like, there's no firewall. There's nothing sophisticated. All you got to do is come over here and just look in our file cabinet. It's pretty open. It's pretty open. So if we say nothing's wrong, guess what? Nothing's wrong. And so when you say we need to talk, we're going to, oh no. <laughs> Last time this happened, it wasn't good. I have a file for that. <laughs> and I still don't understand what I wrote down, but I understood that I messed it up big time. Let me go to this file. We need to talk file. And you pull out the we need to talk file and you're like, first rule, shut up. Second rule, admit you're wrong. Right? I mean, we have these rules. We're just so simple. And then she'll be like, you know what? Let's talk about this. And you're like, okay, not in that folder. Hold on. And we'll pull out another folder. We'll put this one back and we pull out the one and you're like, okay, okay, good. Here it is. Here it is. All right. And we start talking. And we're, built, we're, we're going off of what we have in this folder up here. And you're all over the place. And you're telling us how we feel and you're telling us this and you're telling us all that you observed and I got this feeling and I don't know about this and you're just putting it all out there. And then, then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, that, I thought we were talking about, what are we talking about? And then you're like, we're talking about this. I said, well, I thought I got the folder for this. No, that was like so long ago. Oh, 30 seconds ago? That's, that's. So what are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about that. Okay, hold on, hold on. And then we pull out the, we finally find the folder and we pull it out. We go, okay, here it is. And then you switch subjects again and you're like, what are we talking about? Wait, oh wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, I can't keep, what, hold, what? Ah! And then you got folders all over the floor and you're going on and you're like, you just don't listen to me. And I said, I'm trying to. <laughs> but God didn't make me that way. God made me simple. God made me just to Focus on one thing. Why? Because the most important thing a man can do is focus on Jesus, get his family to heaven and say, I'm going heavenward. I don't have to be complicated. You worry about that stuff. If it doesn't pertain to Jesus, I'm not going to care all that much. Sometimes, well, so-and-so, I don't give a flip. Now I'm getting a little crazy, but at the end of the day, 
What I care about is my family getting to heaven. I care about you. I love you with all my heart. And I want my family to experience the peace of Jesus Christ. And so I'm called to be simple. I'm called to live by this word. Ladies, you make your husband too complicated, he's going to forget this. Why? Because he can't do too many things at once. Your big goal is to help him stay focused on this. Your big goal is to help him stay focused on this. Do you hear me? I'm not very smart and I don't have a lot of qualities, but the one thing I understand, God, you made me to be a bulldog for you. I will not quit. I will not quit. I'm going to experience that oneness with you and I'm going to try my very best to love my wife the way you love me. I don't always make it. And sometimes this confuses me. Ladies, one more thing. There's a very special folder in your man's file cabinet. And it has nothing. (laughs) Nothing. This created so many arguments at first. Because we'd be driving down the road and my wife would always come in. She'd she'd look over at me. She goes, what are you thinking? And I go, nothing. Nothing. And she'd be like, mm-hmm. What does that mm-hmm mean? And then later on, I hear, well, you didn't want to talk to me, and you didn't want to share with me what was really on your mind. You don't trust me. You don't, I'm like, oh, there really is a folder with nothing in it. Can I? T- Just nothing. Ladies have a hard time understanding that because your minds are always going and you're always analyzing. You're always thinking about the kids. You're always thinking about that. You're always thinking, you know, guys have this amazing capacity to just like think of nothing. (laughs) And maybe that's because God wants us when it's time to focus. uh Oh, it's time to focus. And I need a little bit of downtime thinking of nothing so that I'm not all crazy. Because God made me simple. As a matter of fact, he calls me a sheep. And my job is to keep eyes on the shepherd. And to keep my family moving at the shepherd's call. And so this is important, guys. It's very, very important. It makes a huge difference in the romantic versus the mechanical. What do we mean by that? Ladies, you have these amazing, amazing minds. And you can process all these things. And so guys are, you know, we get into that romantic mode like that. Some might say it's the difference between a microwave and a crock pot. And so I always tell, I always tell my guys, if you want to be in heaven by 11, romantic speaking, right? Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to go back to the other, but thank you so much. If you want to be in heaven by 11, you got to start before seven. So that means you're going to have to help your your, your wife's mind settle down. You can pull out that folder in no time, but she has all these things that she's thinking about. You're going to have to help her with it. You're also going to have to understand, and this is something that's been really, really hard for me, because I'm very one-track minded. I can can pull that folder out and say, it says, um, never mind what the folder says, but it's that folder. And you get in that folder so quickly, but she's thinking about all these other things. And remember that keen sense of hearing? You know, you start kind of getting in the mood and then you hear, you you don't hear anything, but she says, did you hear that? And you're like, no, (laughs) don't care about whatever it was, but she cares about it. This is important. It shows up in all kinds of ways, even in the way Solomon addresses it in God's word. Read it with me. On my bed, on my bed by night, this is the bride speaking here. I sought him. Whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I will rise and go about the city, in the streets, in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. How many times does she say, Whom my soul loves? How is she relating to him? In a very emotional way. Guys, what does this tell you? She's different from you. She's not going to go to a folder and be in the moment. You've got to help her feel loved. That means you got to be affectionate, caring, kind, considerate, help around the house, do everything you can to help her feel relaxed. You see, that's easier said than done, pastor. That's why it takes work. 
I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen found me as they went about the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Do you see that? Here it is again. I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. I wouldn't let go that man that I loved. I wouldn't let him go until I married him, she says. How about Solomon's? How about Solomon's words? Watch this. Solomon's words are very different. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Notice where he starts. He starts with her eyes, her hair. He's going from the head down. Leaping down the slopes of Gilead. So they're coming down, the hair, the locks. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes that have come up from the washing. All of them bear twins. You're not missing any teeth. How's that? It's the little things for the guys, right? Watch this. He goes, and not one among them has lost its young. Your lips are like a scarlet thread. Your mouth is so lovely. Your cheeks are like the halves of pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David built in rows of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. I even, I even admire your necklaces. I'm looking at everything. Watch this. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that graze among the lilies. Oh, I can read you another one. He goes, your breasts are like coconuts and I'm going to, I'm going to climb that palm tree and I'm going to this and I'm going to that. And I'm going, some of you are going, where's that book at? Where is that? I did not realize that was in the Bible. Can I tell you whose idea was sex? For what reason? That he might make us one. That we might enjoy. That we might come together. Not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. Now the enemy's come in here and he's tried to distort it all. But I'm here to tell you this is a beautiful thing. And if you read the Proverbs with your children, they'll know how beautiful it is and what's the right way to go about it. I just read the Proverbs with my children. We're up to Proverb, what is today? The 13th Proverb. Every day we read a Proverb. Why? Because I want them to know God's perspective and his goal is to make them one. To make them one. You're different though. You're different. Your husband is very, very into you and how you look. Best thing you can say to a man is, never mind. That'll be next week. Right now, I'm here to tell you, God made you different to make you one. Don't let the enemy exploit those differences. Celebrate them. Come together and experience God's goodness. So as I take the communion cup and I ask you to take yours, I want to share with you something super, super touching that's happened to me a few times. But on one particular time, there was a young man in South Padre and He'd been hanging around our camp and my children were a little bit younger. So I was kind of like, Who is, what is this little guy doing? You know, he's about 18, maybe 17. And he kept hanging around our camp and he asking to borrow my skim board, asking to borrow my boogie board, asking to borrow this and that, wanting to play washers with me. And he just keeps hanging around. And then one of the last days he was there, he comes up, he goes, I'm going to be leaving today. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And man, I'm glad to meet you. He said, no, the, re- the real reason I wanted to talk to you, I've been trying to get the courage all week. He said, I'm from Houston, Texas, and I'm from, I'm from Third Ward. And I go, man, I'm Second Ward. And he goes, man, that's, that's really cool. And he said, I don't know my dad. And my mom's in real trouble. 
and these are my uncle. That's my aunt and uncle, and they're struggling too. But I've been watching you and your wife and your children, and there's something special about you. And I'm just here to ask you, what's the secret? Because I want what you have. That's happened more than once. I don't say that to impress you, but to impress upon you, this is why we're on the earth. Because people are operating under a curse and Jesus is saying, operate under the blessing and invite others to come. Let them see the beauty of your marriage and invite them to come. Tell them of my goodness. Tell them to come and taste and see that I am good and that they can have what I offer. Come on, somebody in this room. Come on, somebody in this room. Believe for God's goodness. Lord, we know that that's made possible by your son. And Lord Jesus, we thank you. We come together in one voice and say thank you for the gift of the cross. Until you return, we celebrate what you did. Thank you, Lord. Church, I love you with all my heart. Have a great, great week. I'll see you soon.